Chapter 4 Ophelia I was a virgin when I first met Ophelia, in every sense of the word. I was 15 years old at the time, and I had not yet had sex for the first time. I had not yet fallen in love for the first time. I had not yet created life for the first time. And I had not yet taken a life for the first time. In the reality where I came from, vampires made other vampires, just like humans in this universe create other humans by mating with another vampire, by having sex with another vampire, and by feeding on another vampire. Let me tell you, where I came from, making other vampires did not sound in no way horrific. In fact, to my young ears, it sounded like an intensely erotic and phenomenally pleasurable experience which making love should be and is from my experience with both vampires and humans alike. However, when I first met Ophelia, like I said, I was a virgin, so I had not yet had any kind of physical intercourse with someone else from the opposite sex. However, it did not take me long to realise that Ophelia was not so inexperienced in the ways of sexuality. Even though Ophelia came from a family of means and of untold riches afforded to them from birth without having to earn a penny or a nugget of what they had in abundance, and while in public she acted and carried herself in a reserved manner, behind closed doors and especially after dark, which was when Ophelia and I first met, when she was returning home from a secret sexual rendezvous with another young man, Ophelia revealed to all who she really was, wild in every sense of the word. Ophelia was the definition of a wild child while growing up, in every way imaginable. However, Ophelia had a knack for keeping her wild twilight activities secret from most people, and she once told me that she maintained the silence of her male companions by promising to continue to be promiscuous with them and to give them what they desired the most. In other words, her. In some ways, Ophelia was always beyond anyone's control. Ophelia loved giving her male companions the attention that they craved, and she also enjoyed receiving all the attention and the gifts that were showered upon her from all manner of men in return. However, like I said, during the day, Ophelia would return to being the prim and the proper Ophelia that everybody knew and the only daughter of Lord Osman. For most of her life, Ophelia was an only child, and she liked the fact that she was, quite frankly, because she liked to be spoiled, to be looked after, and to be taken care of by everybody around her. And because she was her parents' only biological child, Ophelia was afforded more than all the other illegitimate half-sisters and half-brothers that she had, thanks to her father's dalliances with other women who were not his wife and who were not Ophelia's mother, Lady Meredith Johnson Osman. And when I suddenly appeared to Ophelia, seemingly from out of nowhere, and in the dead of the night, she later told me that she initially believed that I was a ghost. Ophelia also admitted to me that she was intoxicated at the time that we first met. However, I am still unsure by what she was intoxicated by and under the influence of at the time, though she did repeatedly tell me on more than one occasion that what she was intoxicated by was really a who, me and by the look that I had in my eye, which I am not sure I believe now, so many years after the fact. Let us just say that after Ophelia and I first met, it did not take long before she invited me into her home, and into her bed. 
where she and I subsequently made love and where I lost my virginity, and which was also where and when I first revealed my vampiric fangs to Ophelia, and I was unable to stop myself from sinking my teeth deep into her neck. And after which, as was customary when vampires were making love to one another, I did what I had always been informed by my father that I should do when I came to the point in my life when I was about to mate with someone else. I bit into my own wrist and then I fed my blood to Ophelia, which she subsequently licked and consumed as if she were ingesting honey or what the ancient Greeks called ambrosia, essentially the nectar of the gods. The morning after the night before, during the events of which I turned Ophelia into a vampire while she and I were making love for the first time, just before sunrise, while Ophelia slept, I woke up, I kissed her on the forehead, and then I whispered into Ophelia's right ear that I would return the next evening to see her again. Then I left Ophelia's bedroom. I left Ophelia's mansion home, deftly avoiding being seen by the house staff as well as Ophelia's parents, and I ran back to the place where I remembered appearing in Ophelia's universe, this universe, and within the blink of an eye I found myself back in my own universe, in my own world, in my version of reality. And then, as fast as I could, I ran through the Vorath forest until I reached home, where my parents were waiting for me, as if nothing had happened. It was two days and two nights later when I decided to venture back into the Vorath forest and to return to the ancient structure and the portal within that led me back to Ophelia's reality. And immediately upon my arrival, as before, I found Ophelia waiting for me with a devilish smile on her face. And that was how our relationship began and how it continued for the many weeks and months that followed. Ophelia and I would meet after dark, we would make love and then we would feed upon one another. And as the weeks and the months went on, Ophelia and I forged what we both believed at the time was a deep and meaningful love for one another and a seemingly unbreakable bond. It was perhaps six months after we first met, when I returned to Ophelia's universe, this universe, when, as always, I found Ophelia waiting for me. However, this time, this night, I discovered her in a flood of tears and covered from head to toe in blood, which looked to have soaked the nightgown that she was wearing all the way through because it clung to her like a second skin. I was concerned, and that was why I asked her immediately, what happened, my love? To which Ophelia quietly replied, They're dead. They're all dead. Who's dead? I asked with a tone of confusion and alarm in my voice, as I held both Olivia's forearms in my hands and I attempted to stop her from shaking. What happened? Me. I... I... I couldn't... I couldn't help myself. I... I... I was hungry, Ophelia replied, as tears rolled down her cheeks and created streaks in her blood-covered face. Ophelia then led me by the hand to the mansion house that was her ancestral home, and after we walked through the towering double doors at the majestic house's entrance, it was not long before I saw the first sign of what had occurred the body of a plump-looking woman lying on the floor of the reception room on the right-hand side of the entrance hallway, 
who Ophelia looked at and after a few seconds identified as mother. And the further that we walked around the now silent and blood-pooled house, Ophelia and I encountered more and more bodies, some belonging to the former house staff, before we ultimately came upon the body of Lord Osmond himself, Ophelia's father. Every dead body that we saw looked to have bled to death following an unprovoked attack, not to mention that each and every body that I inspected appeared to have bite marks on their necks where the carotid artery lay beneath, wounds that I know could only have been sustained by an attack by a wild individual by the name of Ophelia. Ophelia was understandably in a state of shock following what had occurred, what she had done, because she had essentially murdered her family and many of the individuals who had worked for her family, and that was what led me to vow to her that I would never leave her alone again. I did consider taking Ophelia back with me to my universe, however I soon realised that the other vampires from my world would instantly recognise who and what she was, and they might want to subject her to things that not even I could imagine. Even though Ophelia was now a vampire, I was aware and I knew that any member of my people would immediately know that Ophelia was not a pure-blood vampire, because she was what my people called a half-breed or a blood bank, essentially an amalgamation of both a vampire and a human, which in my world was considered to be abhorrent. So, I decided to stay with Ophelia. And as a result, I had to put my own home, my own universe, my own reality, my own family to the back of my mind while I helped Ophelia literally clean up the mess of the massacre of her family and slowly begin building a facade and new identity around myself. Soon after, the mansion had been cleaned from top to bottom. All the bodies that we found were burned and then their belongings destroyed and Ophelia made arrangements, as well as a series of announcements informing the wider members of society that, by the will of her father, in his own handwriting no less, which I helped craft, Ophelia and I would become husband and wife and inherit all of her family's lands and riches, while her parents would retire far away to an island that they had mysteriously been gifted. Lies upon lies upon lies upon lies followed almost every moment of every day in order to make the story that we were making up as we went along seem plausible and not subterfuge. However, while learning to adapt to being someone else, not to mention learning to adapt to living a completely different life, reality far removed from the one that I had known all my life, I slowly became accustomed to lying and making up stories about myself and about my exploits so exquisitely, in fact, that I could fool anybody into thinking anything, including myself. Fabrication of many documents, deeds and wills had to be undertaken, as did the creation and the alteration of legal documents and birth certificates in order to make Ophelia and my deception as foolproof as possible. However, there were a handful of instances when we did come up against people who sought to question the validity and the authenticity of our status as the new lord and lady of the mansion house that was now our home, and in turn said individuals had to be taken care of, in a manner of speaking. 
It was as the many new documents were being expertly fabricated by some individuals who I turned into vampires and who Ophelia and I were able to compel into creating our new identities for us that I chose my new name, Lord Marcus Vega. And for many years afterwards, behind closed doors, Ophelia and I lived the vampire life while simultaneously and publicly advertising ourselves as both a lord and a lady of aristocracy. Every day and every night, Ophelia and I walked a line between two vastly different and yet interconnected worlds, both of us schooling one another in the right way to act in each, as well as creating a new path and imagining a new vision for who we wanted to be in the future. For many years, Ophelia and I were happy. We made love to one another, we drank from one another, we hunted together. We turned many other humans into vampires together. Ophelia and I were the mother and the father of a new race of vampires that could be traced back to me. And slowly but surely we gave rise to a society and a people who lived the vampire life. While at the same time affording each and every vampire the ability to be able to blend into the many human societies of every country around the world. For hundreds of years, I was the Vampire King and unequivocally considered a god in the eyes of the vampire race that I had fathered both directly and indirectly, my children. And Ophelia was the Vampire Queen and together we reigned over all the vampires of the world while secretly infiltrating and influencing the course of human history and its collective future by helping to elevate members of our race into the statuses of statesmen. Not to mention the highest of the heights of world government. Not every government, but quite a few around the world where we could. And I was who every vampire looked to reverently and who they worshipped without question. 